Welcome to our special series on Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, and the movement has recently seen worldwide protests in response to the death of George Floyd. In this series, we meet Caribbean medical students from various schools and discuss their involvement with the movement and tips for how to address racial inequalities as a medical student. Hello from the sunny beaches of St. Kitts and Nevis. Welcome to Dextrocardia, your one-stop shop podcast for everything related to life as a Caribbean medical student. I'm your host, Nihal Satyadev, a second-year medical student at the University of Medicine and Health Sciences. Disclaimer, the opinions expressed by guests of this podcast do not reflect the opinions or views of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's dive in. On today's episode, we deviate from our norm of talking with Caribbean medical students to open up a discussion with a practicing physician. We're joined by Dr. Hope Mitchell. A native of Brooklyn, New York, Dr. Mitchell obtained her Doctor of Medicine from the Medical College of Ohio. She also completed an internship in internal medicine and a pathology fellowship while at the Medical College of Ohio and a residency in dermatology at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. She now serves as the founder and CEO of Mitchell Dermatology. With over 25 experience in the medical field, she's an accomplished, highly qualified dermatologist and entrepreneur. In specific, she has extensive experience in general dermatological education and treatment, acne and complexion treatment, skin cancer diagnoses, treatment and surgery, as well as cosmetic injectables. Dr. Mitchell has subspecialty interest in hair loss, eczema, hyperpigmentation, skin cancer prevention, and skin care consultations. When she isn't doing all of that, Dr. Mitchell makes time to be an advocate for mentorship, education, and diversity in medicine and dermatology. And here at Dextrocardia, we are grateful for that. She is a consistent mentor to many medical students pursuing dermatology as a career. In addition to practicing and overseeing the daily operations of her practice, she creates hands-on shadow experiences for, builds relationships with, and especially encourages female students from middle, from middle school through college that have an interest in medicine. Her belief is that exposure to the medical field at the earliest age will cultivate confidence, opportunities, and diversity in medicine. Dr. Mitchell is a wife and mother of four young adult children. She enjoys ministry, fitness, gardening, antiquing, traveling, spending time with her family, and serving her community through her annual free skin cancer screenings. Dr. Mitchell, thank you so much for joining Dextrocardia. We're very excited to hear your perspective uh, on all of these important issues, which we're going to dive in today. Let me start by just asking you about your first involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement and what first made you decide that this is the time to start standing up to these uh, social justice issues? Well, you know, first of all, I would like to thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. I would say, you know, 2020 has 
forever um, or will forever be known as a year of exposure. And I think that a lot of us, you know, have had instances where we have sat back and things have been revealed to us. And, um, you know, I believe racism has essentially been busted wide open um, and racial tensions are at an all time high. Um, for me, it was the death of Ahmad Aubrey the 25-year-old Black male that was fatally shot while jogging. Um, it, it made me really want to stand up for Black people. Um, you know, there have unfortunately been many, many others that have preceded him in death, but it was something about this young man's death during a time where, um, you know, our country was still, you know, that broke my heart. And as the mother of four children, three of them who are black males, that was one that really, that death really stopped me dead in my tracks and made me think about, you know, how can I get involved? You know, how can I use my platform, you know, my, my social media platform, uh, my involvement in my communities to really give back. And for me, it was that I needed to extend my arms further and deeper into the mentorship that I currently do. And so that was something that um, I saw as a time to really to give back and to empower um, you know, young people. Yeah, I mean, I remember you know, reading about that and it, it kind of felt like another situation where there's so many of these instances in the same pattern that happen over and over again. And it just boils over at some point, right? At some point, there's one of these instances, which um, you must feel like a little bit more attached to than maybe, you know, one of the other ones, and it finally pushes you over the edge. Um, so uh, I definitely appreciate you you know, sharing that. Um, and so one of the things that I think is uh, very amazing about you being active and involved in this is that you're not, you know, working on this solely as an activist. You're also looking at this as a physician while you're already simultaneously running your own practice. And so how are you able to manage both the clinician aspect of things while doing um, activism at the same time? Um, you know, I, I am older and um, in the field. And so I've learned how to work smarter and to be able to, um, I call it vol volunteerism, but to be able to dedicate time towards giving back in addition to forward thinking in my own practice. And so I think that as I've matured, I've been able to um, be more efficient, but also effective in my time. And so again, I tend to spend a lot of my time mentoring, especially um, um, African-Americans that want to go into the medical field. Most of my mentees are ones that want to go into dermatology 
And so I, I, I definitely um, want to reach back and pull others in because right now, you know, we represent two to three percent of all dermatologists. And so, you know, I personally want to see more dermatologists in the field. And so for me, that means that I need to be able to reach way back. And so what I did this year is I decided to get involved in the National Medical Association. I mentioned earlier, I have four children and they really consumed me in terms of um, being able to take care of them and not really being able to reach out into the communities that I, I thought would need me. And so becoming involved in the National Medical Association was important to me because it represents certain initiatives that are important to me, um, such as the, um, the research initiative that we have wanting to build a, a platform that would increase um, black private, uh, black um, investigators, excuse me, and to be able to bring in um, students of color that want to participate in research. Again, that's going to help students be able to get into uh, those more specialized and difficult um, specialties. Um, also participating in the NMA's mentorship program, which, which mentors students that want to go off and on into dermatology. And so um, recently I have become the secretary and treasurer elect and of the NMA Derm section. And that's important to me because I think that it's one thing, right, to want to do and have all of these ideas, but until we can make an impact, until we can actively change policies and laws and the way things have been that are not working, will we see on the other side what we're looking to accomplish? And so if we say truly that Black Lives Matter, it's, it's more to that. You know, we have to, in the medical field, because that's my area of specialty, it's being able to create Black doctors that have the cultural competency that patients are looking for the ones that patients can see that look like them so that patients can trust them. I mean, we all want that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to see someone that looks like you and someone that you believe will represent you and that you'll be comfortable with. And so those are some of the, you know, I've always had students in my office and I've always, you know, mentored them and taught them. But I think with, things that have happened in 2020, my eyes have opened further and made me want to do more, made me want to be on a level that I can really make changes that can impact so many others, not just that one-on-one -on -one relationship. I think you touched on a number of very important points here. I think one is the importance of policy, right? The importance of actually changing the rules because otherwise, it's a constant battle within the set of rules, which isn't really set up for winning that battle. Uh, so I think uh, you speak to something, you know, I'm very passionate about, which is policy too, but I do want to dive a little bit further into 
your mentorship because it's extremely powerful to have your perspective on this, which is as you know, as someone who has worked with so many medical students and even pre-medical students, for those of us that are currently in the throes of, you know, preparing for our step exam and learning the basics and just learning what it takes to be a good doctor, what are the, the sort of things that us as medical students, both, you know, potentially as Black medical students, but even people who want to get more involved in allyship, what is it that we can be doing in order to best be doctors that are serving through a perspective of racial equity? Well, I think it's important to have a mentor um, all throughout your life in the medical field. Myself being almost 54 years old, I have mentors in the medical field. And it's to help me to stay accountable and to constantly want to change and to grow within the field. And that applies to medical students today, to have someone that can guide you. You know, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel, right? So we know the steps that it takes. We have partners, you know, in the field we can connect you with people. There's no need for you to feel alone. There's also no need for you to have one mentor. There's no need for black medical students to only have black mentors. You know, we have allies that are non-black, um, that are brown, that are Caucasian. We want everybody to win. And so, my position is that yes, it absolutely is important. Representation does matter. And we want blacks to see, you know, other blacks in the field. And we want um, to be able to encourage the students. But the bigger picture is to create more black doctors. That's the big goal, you know, and we can get there through many different avenues. I think it's nearly impossible to be successful without a mentor. It, it, it just isn't. You may be able to make it, but emotionally you won't be sound. You know what I mean? You're going to be exhausted. And I think being able to have someone that's going to help you in those darkest times, you know, those times where you feel low, those times where you don't feel confident, the times when you are bombarded by imposter syndrome, those are the times where people like myself are greatly needed because we're going to remind you that we didn't just arrive. We're going to remind you that you can do it. And we're going to help to encourage you to move on. So, you know, I think that anyone that would get into a position, even yourself one day and not give back in terms of mentorship, I think that that would be disappointing. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I've experienced imposter syndrome way too many times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Man. Even today, you know, I experience it. But you know what? I snap out of it just like that. I really do. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely helpful uh, extremely to have someone to uh, reach out to, you know, both in the lows and in the highs to really guide you. 
on this path, which is extremely long. And like you said, hopefully doesn't ever end and you are always uh, a mentee and at some point start serving as a mentor too. So I really, um, I really love that. Mm -hmm. And you've been in this space in the world of healthcare now as a physician um, for, for several years. And so I'd be really interested to know what you see as sort of the biggest racial disparities uh, in healthcare, whether that's locally near your practice or what you read about in the literature at the national level. Uh, and also what sort of, are, are these sort of trends that are coming up in the last couple years or are they systemic issues which we've seen for a long period of time? Um, and not to belabor this into a several part question, but what are some of the things that, you know, we can be doing to address that? So, um, you know, I've, I've actually been in the medical field for, as a practicing um, dermatologist for 22 years. Um, you know, I've been a doctor for 25 years. And, you know, I believe that racial disparities in healthcare should be understood in terms of societal racial inequities. Um, we know that Black people suffer at higher morbidity and mortality rates in many disease states. And we also know the importance of preventative care, early intervention, and management of chronic diseases. And I think what I've seen is that access to all of that is not equal for whatever reason. Um, I believe that we definitely need some new initiatives to train current medical professionals to be culturally competent um, in order to, to gain um, the trust of you know, African-Americans. I think that we also need to recruit you know, more African American providers just across medicine. You know, we still are under 6% in terms of representation of black doctors. And so I think that, that that's important. Um, again, in terms of what I think can be done, I think it's important that everyone participate in a lane. And so, you know, we need people on the level of um, you know, national communities that are able to, to change laws and able to um, work with insurances and, and, and work in terms of research. Because what I believe is that there are many conditions that Blacks carry the burden of disease, but we don't see them represented in research. You know, um, we need to see studies and we need to get approval for medications that can treat these conditions and so we need strong advocacy. And once we're able to, to show that there's research and we're able to advocate, then we can get insurances to cover more of the medications, you know, that um, African-Americans have. Um, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but, you know, we've talked about being able to mentor um, medical students to get into many of these fields where we are needed. And so I think that that's an area, again, that we just cannot let up. 
We can't stop mentoring. We can't stop being the face because if you don't see it, you don't believe it. I also believe that we have to reach back into the high schools and we have to encourage um, our young people to consider working in the sciences. You know, we're starting to lose interest. And I think it's important that we even reach back further than medical school and um, encourage, you know, young people to consider careers, if not in medicine and science, because they can be the ones that are developing the drugs and the medications that are needed. There are so many different avenues that are needed to help close the gap that everyone can find a lane that they feel strong and competent in, in order to make the change that we need to see. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of different issues, which is also good for those of us who are uh, similarly moved to make a difference in this. And from what it sounds like, uh, it feels like it's not that one person necessarily has to be the solution to all of these, but more so find your track and make the biggest impact you can in that track. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that actually led me to reach out to you was a conversation that I was having earlier in this series uh, and something that was absolutely perspective shifting once I realized it is that when we are in our med school classes and we're seeing so many of these uh, pathologies, whether they be an ulcer, whether they be uh, a butterfly rash that we see in a lupus presentation, the vast majority of the things that we see are presented on the background of white skin. Uh, and so as a dermatologist, uh, do you see that there is a significant difference in how you diagnose and treat pathologies uh, that is different for Black individuals? Um, you know, I don't personally see that there's a difference in how I treat um, per se, but it is, it can be more challenging to make certain diagnoses on, diagnoses on Black skin because it, 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 conditions can look different. Now, in terms of treatment, before we get to that, darker skin types tend to have more residual pigmentation once the inflammatory condition resolves. And so what I may find is that when I see a patient with skin of color um, that has an inflammatory condition, I will be more likely to initiate um, an anti-inflammatory um, regimen sooner. And so, you know, because we want to cut that inflammation and try to address the pigmentation as quickly as possible. And so I may be more inclined definitely to do that and also to talk to the patient about what some of the repercussions of the condition may be on the skin because I know that one of the greatest concerns having skin of color myself is getting through a situation or a condition or an illness and having pigmentation left behind. If we're not properly educated, we may believe that the condition is still persisting. 
And so it's really important to explain that that may occur and, you know, that we have treatment on board for that or we're, we are aware of that. That's, that's that cultural competency, that we are aware of that and we're certainly going to be incorporating our treatment plan, you know, there. In terms of making the diagnosis, if you have not received adequate training in skin of color, meaning you've gone to a residency program where you were not able to see that, then yes, it's going to be more difficult potentially for you to make certain diagnoses on um, darker skin types. And so, you know, what we are hoping is that as medical students go into fields like dermatology that they will take on the initiative to let program directors know it is important to me that I learn how these conditions look on skin of color. You know, maybe there could be some form of rotation that they can do at other programs. You know, maybe program directors will start to do that. I know that um, we, that the, the dermatology field is working on getting more publications of conditions in a lot of our textbooks and um, uh, collateral and workbooks and things like that that we have to study from so that we can start to see that because when I went to school you know we didn't see that we didn't see disease states on skin of color in the textbooks I was fortunate enough and not everyone is but I was fortunate enough to train in Detroit Michigan at Henry Ford Hospital. So I left residency feeling 100 plus percent comfortable treating all skin types because that program, although it's in Detroit, it had several satellites in different suburban communities where I was able to see conditions on all skin types. Now I get it, that's not ideal for all programs, but what I'm saying is that as a resident taking on the the mindset that that should not stop me from learning um, how to treat skin of color is going to be important and i think that this is a year where a lot of programs are really thinking about the impact of the training of the resident and how important it is and i think there'll be more and more initiatives to get residents trained so that they are able and comfortable to treat all skin types. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the real ability to differentiate between these sort of more specific diagnoses is done more so at the residency level. Uh, but I think one thing that also makes me uh, kind of excited is also how quickly uh, at least the USMLE uh, first aid bookmakers have responded and I believe in the 2021 edition they are going to be for uh, many pathologies showing uh, the pathology presentation on light skin as well as dark skin uh, and obviously that isn't going to be the same as having a residency training that uh, allows you to see the appropriate number of patients in various skin types but I think it's also a good start for the general medical student population to be at least exposed to the fact that not everything that we see in the textbook is how we're going to see it in real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think one of the other things which 
you really spoke about importantly earlier is the importance of more inclusive policy and the importance of policy change that is aligned with advancing goals towards racial equity. So I want to propose a hypothetical. And I know you're already very involved with national medical societies. You spoke about your work with the National Medical Association. But if you were specifically the head of the US or the Canadian Medical Education Board, how would you change medical student education to better prepare future doctors to pursue this mission of health equity and racial equity in health? Um. You know, again, I think that we have to find a way to produce culturally competent doctors. You know, we, we need to advance that. We need, everybody needs to understand different cultures. I'm not saying that we need to just understand the African-American culture. Um, we have to understand all cultures. And I think that finding a way to help with that would be important, you know, be it requiring rotations where um, doctors are able to choose where they go, those electives, but we're able to start to see the impact of medical diseases on different populations um, that we're also able to see medical diseases and conditions on all skin tones. Um, I think that it starts with, yes, the, the higher levels, but I think that the programs themselves should be at a point where they're starting to, and I, I know that they are, take a look at the students that they're accepting and the program itself, what they're training and what they're teaching and find a way to, to produce doctors that are comfortable treating all patients. I don't have, you know, any other solution except that we must acknowledge that this is necessary. And once we do that, then we must change. And I know that getting more photographs, you know, of skin diseases in the textbooks and in the literature, um, doing the proper research, getting out the proper information across the board so that we can, um, you know, get the proper medications covered, all of that. It's like, it's almost like that trickle down effect. Right. You know, um, and this is a very exciting time because like I started in the interview, I think 2020, although there has been a lot that has gone on, is a year of exposure and pivot and possibilities, you know, and expectancy of change. And so I think that for me, it's very exciting to be a part of um, this time, you know, to be able to evaluate the way that things are being done and say, you know, no, 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 we don't have to continue this way because this is not effective, you know, let's pivot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we hope that this sort of continuation of being open to change is something that we see through past 2020. Uh, that's my hope at least. Uh, but I do want to uh, ask you a more 
fun and open-ended question, which okay. is, um, which civil rights leader inspires you the most and why? Wow. Um, you know, that's, that's uh, definitely, thank you for it being open-ended and fun. And if I had to pick, you know, it's a great question. If I had to pick, I would absolutely say Harriet Tubman. Mm. Harriet Tubman for me is the bomb.com. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, for a woman and for me being a black woman as well, um, that was born into slavery, but didn't let that stop her. I mean, we can translate that today with adversity, you know, with young people who have parents that are in jail, you know what I mean? Who didn't have the money, who, you know, grew up in communities where they didn't have support, but didn't let that stop them. You know, she made about 13 missions to rescue like tons of people, you know, 70, 80 enslaved people. And she used, you know, um, a network of anti-slavery activists and a community safe houses called the Underground Railroad to, to basically set people free. And, you know, a lot of my mentees, when I meet them, it's like they're enslaved to their mind and they're thinking that they can't do it. You know, they can't get into medical school. They can't get into dermatology residency or, or other specialties. But, you know, I see myself as one that has saved a lot of people from those awful thoughts, you know. And also in her later years, you know, Tubman was an activist in the movement for um, women's suffrage. Mm. And, you know, just think, it was like a hundred years ago that all women gained the right to vote nationally. You know, we had a little trickling, but as a community, she empowered, you know, people, but also, you know, women and she's a woman. Um, so I think for me, she's the one that I would choose. I love like, that. Actually, I didn't even know about her efforts with suffrage. So that's very cool to, to learn about. Mm -hmm. Is there um, any uh, final message that you have for our listeners before we sign off? Um, I, I would say, you know, become the doctor that you have been destined to become. Don't worry about how long it takes you to finish. Don't, don't get caught up in that, right? But focus on the finish. Finish the race. This is a journey. We, we don't know how long it's going to take. You know, if you don't get the acceptance that you wanted, there's always plan B, right? There's always a different way to get there, but we need you. Okay. So you're needed. And then secondly, I would say, don't finish and forget where you came from. Mm. Right. So we know we're going to complete this portion of the journey, right? We're going to become doctors. So we, we don't need to go back into that. But what we also don't want to hear is that, or see is that you were poured into, you know, you were encouraged, you were helped, but you don't have time to help the people behind you. Because mm. that's not what this is all about. And we're not going to see the change that we need 
if we have, if we're losing people, you know, in these work efforts. We need everybody to keep participating and to help. Awesome. I, that is beautiful. For those of you who are listening, if you have more ideas for us for guests or topics to cover, please send us to us at dextrocardia.podcast at gmail.com. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at DextrocardiaPC. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mitchell. This has been incredibly insightful. Uh, We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you.